Welcome to our service this morning. Um, whether you're joining us in person or whether you're watching online, it's good to have you with us. We come to worship this morning and um, we want to thank and praise God for the people around us who have been a help to us over this past week or who have stood up and directed us in some particular way. And we also want to thank and to think of people who we could stand with and stand together and pray for over this coming week. As the psalmist said, I lift up mine eyes onto the hills from whence cometh my strength. My strength comes even from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a promise to hold on to and what a gift to give to other people as we worship together these coming days. This morning's reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, beginning at verse 44. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put in effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. 
when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Thank you, Heller. So we continue um, this series of dangerous faith. Uh, what it's uh, looking at in the sense of um, the, the persecuted church um, leading on from our harvest with open doors and so forth. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've heard that faith is not a logical experience. It's a, faith is a lived experience. It's how uh, we live it out. It's tangible in the world that we are around us, in our relationships and everything that it is that we do. Uh, last week, Gareth encouraged us to think about promises um, three types of promises, the promises that we keep uh, and tend to keep, uh, the ones that we, sometimes we accidentally break, we make them, but unfortunately sometimes they get broken, uh, and sometimes promises that we have no intention um, of actually keeping, uh, encouraging us to consider those promises that we keep, uh, promises of reaching out, promises of believing, promisings, promises of being uh, faithful. So as we dive into today's passage, let's just pause as we pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, living and active, your word that speaks truth into our hearts and minds today. May it be your truth and your words and not mine that speaks depth by your spirit today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we join uh, the story of the early church with this first martyr um, called Stephen. Stephen was causing a bit of a stir um, he wasn't accepting the status quo. He wouldn't just keep quiet about Jesus. That was his crime. He wasn't quiet about Jesus. Can you imagine that uh, as kind of engraved uh, on a headstone? Uh, he wouldn't keep quiet uh, about Jesus. This was the reason. This was the passion. This was his life. He kept sharing, kept on sharing how Jesus changed lives. And nothing would silence him. No matter what they tried to do, it wouldn't happen. Imagine that. Sometimes we can find that hard to grasp in the modern Western church. Preacher included, actually. We can find it hard um, to grasp how we might actually not be quiet about Jesus. In one sense, our faith has become a little bit personal. We keep it to ourselves more. We're, we're scared and to share it out. And we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But sometimes we've been able to do that for far too long. It seems as if it's second nature to keep it to ourselves, not to talk about it unless somebody asks us questions. Well, not Stephen. He would die because he wouldn't be quiet. It's not just a first century issue that we're reading about today. This happens in the world around us. We've already prayed for our brothers and sisters across the world today who, because they will not deny Jesus, because they will not be quiet about Jesus, uh, are fear of their lives and fear of beatings, of torture, of persecution, 
and even in some cases in fear of death. We heard those stories uh, as they came from open doors to share them uh, with us. And Robin was very clear in how he did that in a very non-confrontational and a very conversational way. And it was great as we carry that partnership forward. So this isn't just something that happened way back then. This is happening today. And actually, contextually, it is happening to us and can happen to us right here where we are and where we've been called to be his witnesses in this place. But sometimes our faith is quiet and non-confrontational. We wait for other people to ask us the questions rather than us causing a stir around us. We shy away from the moments of ridicule for fear of the shame that that might bring, for the fear that someone might say something about us or call us um, something. I know that personally. I know the times that I've been quiet for fear of what other people might think if I outrageously shared Jesus in that moment. And sometimes you almost imagine because I wear a dog collar, because I'm a minister, that comes as second nature, but it doesn't always come as second nature. There are moments where actually I shy away from it as well to my shame. But the world around us is changing. The world that we live in is changing. The media around us is changing. And so the opportunities to share and to show Jesus are now immense. They're around every single corner. And sometimes it is about saying, well, actually, you might believe that, but this is what I believe. This is the truth that I hold to, and this is why I hold to it. The people who opposed Stephen were the churchy ones, actually. If you read into chapter 6, you'll see that. The people who opposed Stephen were the people of faith, the churchy ones, in or Northern Irish context. They were the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. The leaders of the Jewish faith were the ones who were standing up and saying, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. If you do, we need to do something about it. They didn't want the status quo to be erupt. They were happy with where they were. They were content with the church and the body of faith and the, the believers that they had created around them. I wonder, how do we fit into that thought today? Are we happy with the status quo around us? Or would we be comfortable with it being shaken, changed, transformed? Stephen had some stark words for those who didn't want the status quo changed. Verse 51, he called them a stiff-necked people, uncircumcised hearts and ears. You're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed the ones who, who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You've received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but you've not obeyed it. In other words, on the outside, it looks as if you're doing everything right. But on the inside, you're rotting away. His stark words speak truth into our hearts and into our minds this morning. A challenge for us to enable us not simply to accept or to settle into the status quo. To look at it from the outside and think that we've got everything right. But inside to be welding away in our faith and in our journey with God. And generally... People don't like being called out or being told that they're wrong. If I ask for a show of hands this morning, 
who likes to be told that they've got it wrong? One or two people. But most of us don't actually like those moments. We shy away, we cringe away from them because it doesn't feel good whenever someone else shows that we've got it wrong. I did warn Rebecca that there was a story about her coming today, but she didn't tell her what it was. Um, so here we go. Um, in a previous church, I was doing a children's talk one day. Rebecca was much younger than she is now, um, probably about the age of six. Um, and as I was at the front, I was holding on those handheld mics and I was uh, sharing a story. I was describing uh, an environment in our house that I had to describe to enable the story to come alive uh, and to make the point. Um, at which point Rebecca um, put her hand up as she sat in front of me and I ignored it. And then she started waving and I ignored it. Then she stood up and I ignored her. Then she stood up beside me and pulled on my coat tail and I still continued to ignore her to the point where she reached up and got the hold of the microphone and took it out of the way. Then she started retelling and description of the room that I was telling because I had told the story that it was a brown sofa with blue cushions, but they weren't blue. They were turquoise <laughs> cushions. She then went on to share the rest of the story, handed it back and said, you can now continue, Daddy. Today, she doesn't take the microphone off me. She turns me off as she has it out of the back or haggles me from the back row. In that moment, did I feel as if I wanted to be told that I got it wrong? No. Did I want that to happen in a public environment? Definitely not. Did I accept that I described the color wrongly? Yes. But I'm a man. I don't really do colors very well. But this was a public setting that Stephen was correcting these church leaders in. He was calling them stiff-necked people. He was calling them out and he was saying, you've got this wrong. I wonder how we'd feel today if someone walked in here how I would feel, how we all would feel and tell us that we have got it wrong in this place. See, in verse 54, whenever they'd heard this, that's the leaders, they were furious, they gnashed their teeth at him, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God but they covered their ears. Yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We know that Saul later became Paul, one of the greatest advocates and witnesses for the Christian faith. Now, we might not get stoned in Lisburn for not stopping talking about Jesus. We might get shunned by friends or family, might get unfriended or unliked in social media. We might even get ghosted in, in the space and in the relationships that we live in. But we have to remember that we do it because we believe it. We do it because we stand on the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We do it because we believe that what we hear from the Scriptures, what we live out, what is our lived experience of a dangerous faith, is what we want to share to the people around us because we know that Jesus can make a difference. And we stand with those parts of our body 
the body of Christ who are losing their, their lives and their livelihoods today because of their faith. How did Stephen continue in this situation? What made him continue? We find that answer in verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the presence of the living God. I know in those moments, whenever I felt ashamed or I felt unable to speak about Jesus, they're often in drier periods of my faith. They're often in periods whenever I have not allowed or invited the Holy Spirit to fill me afresh and anew to the point of overflowing. Because never the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is living, active and dwelling alive within us. We cannot but allow the overflow to be about Jesus Christ. And that is the difference between Stephen and those religious leaders. What do we call them? What does Stephen call them in verse 51? A stiff-necked people with uncircumcised ears and hearts. With all the grace that's within me, can I ask you today, which one do you identify with? I asked myself that question this morning. And I have been doing over the last number of days as I've prepared for today. Because one, Stephen received the Holy Spirit, welcomed the Holy Spirit, and the other resisted. Stephen had been causing a stir because he couldn't keep quiet about Jesus. What a marvelous thing to do. Let our mission, our testimony, this week as we scatter from this place, be exactly the same. That we would create a stir, unable to stop talking about Jesus. And no matter where we find ourselves today, no matter how far or how close we believe we are to the presence of God today, this is the moment where we can take one more step towards him. And if you feel that that is far too difficult, then refer back to what I've just said and take one more step. Because <laughs> it is the first step that is always naturally the hardest step to take. So no matter how close you are to him or how far you feel from him today, taking that first step back towards him is the step of a journey that lights a fire within us, allows us to fill with the presence of the Holy Spirit to the point of overflowing. And all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And all because of the fact that we worship a God who is alive and well today, not one who is dead, carved of human hands of wood or stone and set on a mantelpiece to a door. No, not our God. Our God is alive today. He is well today, and he is at work today. Let our mission and our testimony this week, as we scatter from this place, be to tell abroad the marvelous deeds of what Jesus has done. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you encourage us in our relationship with you for just one more step. You know that in our making of one more step, it can be the beginning 
for the fulfilling of our journey. Help us, give us courage, give us strength to do that. This week, in this place, in the places that you've called us to, may we be witnesses of your love and of your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we stand and sing our final song, Across the Lands. A simple update, sometimes maybe we feel by putting a small amount of food in a tub or a basket in our porch, we don't make that big a difference, but we do. So thank you in any way that you contribute to Food Bank over the last number of months and years. We can finish today with our blessing. Our words come from the scripture. May the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine, may the glory be to him in Christ Jesus and in the church this day and forevermore. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon us this day and forevermore. Amen.